Hello, world. I'm Roger Corville, and this is For the Hope's Daily Audio Bible, where we read through the scriptures conversationally, talk about the truth claims of Christianity, and learn to fall more in love with Jesus and the people in his world. You ready? Let's roll. Welcome. G.K. Chesterton once said, The Christian ideal has not been tried and found wanting. It has been found difficult and left untried. And, my friends, we see it all the time. For example, Jesus says to love in the context of both truth and grace. And it's not 50-50. It's 100-100. And it's not so comfortable to have to make value judgments sometimes. And we see simpletons all around us who fall one way or the other, right? The failure of fundamentalism was losing its grace. The failure of progressivism was losing its anchor. So what's the big deal? Well, stay tuned for another big question. Unity versus diversity. Hey, Hopeful. Welcome to For the Hope's listener-supported Daily Audio Bible, where we read through every word of God's revelation of himself, considering our own life and work stories in light of that, and just keeping it real. I've fallen a little behind, in part because I've got a fever and a sore throat. Well, it just is what it is. So as we consider our own stories, including this first part of Ephesians 4, What we experience, uh, or should say what we've experienced so far in Paul's writings, is that the first half of Ephesians is theological, and the second half is ethics, right? What to know, then what to do. And remember the kind of the couple main themes in Ephesians, one of which was Christ has reconciled all creation to himself and to God. And number two, Christ has united people from all nations to himself and to one another in his church. And in light of these great truths, Christians are to lead lives that are fitting as tributes of gratitude to their great Lord. So now notice that in our short passage today, we're going to hear seven unities, but also listen for the diversity too. And at the end today, if I'm on top of it, I will ask what could possibly go wrong? Ephesians chapter 4. Therefore I, the prisoner of the Lord, urge you to walk worthy of the calling you have received, with all humility and gentleness, with patience, bearing with one another in love, making every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, just as you were called to one hope at your calling, one Lord one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in all. Now grace was given to each of us according to the measure of Christ's gift, for it says, "He, when he ascended on high, he took the captives captive, he gave gifts to people. But what does he ascended mean? except that he also descended to the lower parts of the earth. The one who descended is also the one who ascended far above all the heavens to fill all things. 
And he himself gave some to be apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers, to equip the saints for the work of ministry, to build up the body of Christ, until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of God's Son, growing into maturity with a stature measured by Christ's fullness. Therefore, we will no longer be little children, tossed by the waves and blown around by every wind of teaching, by human cunning with cleverness in the techniques of deceit. But, speaking the truth in love, let us grow in every way into him who is the head, Christ. From him the whole body, fitted and knit together by every supporting ligament, promotes the growth of the body for the building itself, for building itself up in love, by the proper working of each individual part. <laughs> and that gets us up through verse 16. And what could possibly go wrong? I'm just going to make a quick comment here, and then we're going to have kind of an extended Old Testament segment because we're going to read something that just all hangs together. Diversity without unity is extreme individualism, right? But unity without diversity is extreme communitarianism. Does God call us to lose our individual identities? Well, no, actually, we would be, we should better find our individuality and identity in community, in marriage, in family. I would say even in our workplace. Why? Because God's very nature and character, which we should be maturing into, his very nature and character is unity in diversity. Well, turning to our Old Testament segment, and in light of the preceding chapters, it is ironic that the people should desire to have a symbol of God's presence, as you are about to, about to hear. Moses, remember Moses has just received instructions for the construction of a tent within which God would dwell in the midst of his people. We see it in Genesis. We see it in Revelation. And we see his continued expression of saying, I will be your God and you will be my people. Well, whereas the tabernacle with its golden furnishings portrayed God as a royal person, now, well, Exodus chapter 32 when the people saw that Moses delayed in coming down from the mountain, they gathered around Aaron and said to him, Come, make gods for us who will go before us, because this Moses, the man who brought us up from the land of Egypt, we don't know what has happened to him. Pause, and I can't do this very many times. We'll just go way over today. How many times did God say, I am the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob who brought you out of the land of Egypt? Right? That's that happens over and over well throughout the Old Testament. But here they're going, Well, Moses brought us up from the land of Egypt, and we don't know what happened to him. Totally take their eyes off of God. Continuing. Aaron replied to them, Take off the gold rings that are on the ears of your wives, your sons, and your daughters, and bring them to me. So all the people took off the gold rings that were on their ears and brought them to Aaron. And he took the gold from them, fashioned it with an engraving tool and made it into an image of a calf. And then they said, Israel, 
These are your gods who brought you up from the land of Egypt. When Aaron saw this, he built an altar in front of it and made an announcement. There will be a festival to the Lord tomorrow. Early in the next morning, they arose, offered burnt offerings, and presented fellowship offerings, and the people sat down to eat and drink and got up to party. The Lord spoke to Moses, Go down at once, for your people you brought up from the land of Egypt have acted corruptly. They have quickly turned from the way I commanded them. They have made for themselves an image of of a calf, They have bowed down to it, sacrificed to it, and said, Israel, these are your gods who brought you up from the land of Egypt. The Lord also said to Moses, I have seen this people, and they are indeed a stiff-necked people. Now, leave me alone so that my anger can burn against them, and I can destroy them. Then I will make you into a great nation. But Moses sought the favor of the Lord his God. Lord, Why does your anger burn against your people who brought you out of the land of Egypt with great power and and a strong hand? Why should the Egyptians say he brought them out with an evil intent to kill them in the mountains and eliminate them from the face of the earth? Turn from your fierce anger and relent concerning this disaster planned for your people. Remember your servants Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, who you swore to them by yourself and declared, I will make your offspring as numerous as the sky, stars of the sky and will give your offspring all this land I have promised and they will inherit it forever. So the Lord relented concerning the disaster he had said he would bring on his people. Then Moses turned and went down the mountain with the two tablets of the testimony in his hands. They were inscribed on both sides, inscribed front and back, The tablets were the work of God, and the writing was God's writing engraved on the tablets. When Joshua heard the sound of the people as they shouted, he said to Moses, There is a sound of war in the camp. But Moses replied, It's not the sound of a victory cry and not the sound of a cry of defeat. I hear the sound of singing. As he approached the camp and saw the calf and the dancing, Moses became enraged and threw the tablets out of his hand, smashing them at the base of the mountain. He took the calf they had made, burned it up, and ground it to powder. He scattered the powder over the surface of the water and forced the Israelites to drink the water. And then Moses asked Aaron, What did these people do to you that you have led them into such a grave sin? Pause. This is the high priest. And it's only been 40 days. Now, it's easy for us to look at them and go, wow, they're pretty stupid. But my friends, haven't we gone from high to low or low to high in the span of 40 days? I mean, it's just like, how could you possibly forget getting led out of Egypt, crossing the Red Sea on dry ground, and now in the span of 40 days, completely apostatized? (laughs) It's just like, what? Oh, yeah, good thing I'm not that dumb. Mm -hmm. Then Moses asked Aaron, what did these people do to you that you have led them into such a grave sin? Don't be enraged, my lord, Aaron replied. You yourself know that the people are intent on evil. They said to me, make gods for us who will go before us because this Moses, the man who brought us up from the land of Egypt, we don't know what has happened to him. So I said to them, whoever has gold, take it off. And they gave it to me. And 
When I threw it into the fire, out came this calf. Hi, <laughs> Shazam! I just threw the gold into the fire and out came this calf. <laughs> sorry. Not sorry. Moses saw that the people were out of control, for Aaron had let them get out of control, making them a laughingstock to their enemies. And Moses stood at the camp's entrance and said, Whoever is for the Lord, come to me. And all the Levites gathered around him. He told them, This is what the Lord, the God of Israel, says. Every man fasten his sword to his side, go back and forth through the camp from entrance to entrance, and each of you kill his brother, his friend, and his neighbor. The Levites did as Moses commanded, and about 3,000 men fell dead that day among the people. Afterward, Moses said, Today you have been dedicated to the Lord, since each man went against his son and brother. Therefore, you have brought a blessing on yourselves today. The following day, Moses said to the people, You have committed a grave sin. Now I will go up to the Lord. Perhaps I will be able to atone for your sin. So Moses returned to the Lord and said, Oh, These people have committed a grave sin. They have made a god of gold for themselves. Now if you would only forgive their sin, but if not, please erase me from the book you have written. The Lord replied to Moses, Whoever has sinned against me, I will erase from my book. Now go, lead the people to the place I told you about. See, my angel will go before you. But, On the day I settle accounts, I will hold them accountable for their sin. And the Lord inflicted a plague on the people for what they did with the calf Aaron had made. One quick comment before we move into the next section. Notice that our sin deserves death, right? We often are guilty of presuming upon God's patience. And we see both the some immediate consequences in what we just heard, and we see his patience going, okay, for the rest of them, they have a chance to get right, but I'm giving them some time. I don't know. He's God and I'm not. Chapter 33. The Lord spoke to Moses, go up from here, you and the people who you brought up from the land of Egypt to the land I promised Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, saying, I will give it to your offspring. I will send an angel ahead of you and drive out the Canaanites, Amorites, Hethites, Perizzites, Hivites, and Jebusites. Go up to the land flowing with milk and honey. But I will not go up with you because you are a stiff-necked people. Otherwise, I might destroy you on the way. When the people heard this bad news, they mourned and didn't put on their jewelry. For the Lord said to Moses, Tell the Israelites, You are a stiff-necked people. If I went up with you for a single moment, I would destroy you. Now take off your jewelry, and I will decide what to do with you. So the Israelites remained stripped of their jewelry from Mount Horeb onward. Now Moses took a tent and pitched it outside the camp, at a distance from the camp, and he called it the Tent of Meeting. Anyone who wanted to consult the Lord would go to the Tent of Meeting that was outside the camp. Whenever Moses went out to the tent, all the people would stand up, each one at the door of his tent, and they would watch Moses until he entered the tent. And when Moses entered the tent, the pillar of cloud would come down and remain at the entrance to the tent, 
and the Lord would speak with Moses. As all the people saw the pillar of cloud remaining at the entrance to the tent, they would stand up, then bow in worship, each one at the door of his tent. And the Lord would speak to Moses, the Lord would speak with Moses face to face, just as a man speaks with his friend. Then Moses would return to the camp. His assistant, the young man Joshua, son of Nun, would not leave the inside of the tent. Moses said to the Lord, Look, you have told me, lead this people up, but you have not let me know whom you will send with me. You said, I know you by name, and you also have found favor with me. Now, if I have indeed found favor with you, please teach me your ways, and I will know you, so that I may find favor with you. Now consider that this nation is your people. And the Lord replied, My presence will go with you, and I will give you rest. If your presence does not go, Moses responded to him, Don't make us go up from here. How will it be known that I and your people have found favor with you unless you go with us? I and your people will be distinguished by this from all the people on the face of the earth. The Lord answered Moses, I will do this very thing you have asked, for you have found favor with me, and I know you by name. Then Moses said, Please let me see your glory. He said, I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you, and I will proclaim the name the Lord before you. I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious, and I will have compassion on on whom I will have compassion. But he added, You cannot see my face, for humans cannot see me and live. The Lord said, Here is a place near me. You are to stand on the rock, and when my glory passes by, I will put you in the crevice of the rock and cover you with my hand until I have passed by. Then I will take my hand away, and you will see my back, but my face will not be seen. All right, before I read this last chapter, I got to say this. Worship, to be true, must be based on a right perception of God, right? The book of Exodus emphasizes the importance of knowing God as he truly is, not as we imagine him to be. I want to point this out before we move on. Why did God say, you'll die if you see me face to face in what we just read? It was because of his goodness. Are you with me? God said, I'll cause all my goodness to pass in front of you. But you can't see my face because humans can't see me and live. Let that sink in. In fact, I'm just going to end right there. I'm just going to let that sit for a moment. My friends, we like to say that God is a God of love, but we still Decide what a God of love would or wouldn't do. Well, a God of love wouldn't let my sister die. A God of love wouldn't kill a bunch of people because of their sin. But that's a God of our own making that turns God into some old curmudgeon. Here's God protecting Moses, saying, if you really experienced me, you'd die. 
<laughs> he says, I'll cause all my goodness to pass in front of you. Remember when Isaiah was ushered into the throne room, right? The angels are singing, holy, holy, holy. And he goes, woe is me for I'm a man of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips. Remember, God's wrath is love violated. He has so, it, to me, I don't know, I just imagine this like the sun. Like you get too close to the sun and you'll burn up like Icarus, right? The, he's, he's so perfectly, utterly good that I would melt away. Except for one thing. What Jesus did in a perfect life, a sinless life, an atoning death, a bodily resurrection, and an ascension to the right hand of the Father. Lord God, help us to see you more clearly. Help us to have words to share with others that, that you want to be with us and that in fact it required you making a way for us to be with you. Help us to worship you in the right way Help us to worship you truly based on who you really are and not what we make up. Lord, help us understand even Paul's arguments that as new creatures in Christ, we should now be marked by a maturity that demonstrates this stability in truth and love and that oneness or unity and identity is found, ironically, in the diversity of serving others. Lord, you are the one. We are the diversity. Lord, guide us. I love you, my friends. Amen. Amen.